This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Today, we are talking about developing an abundance mindset. And let me say up front, you might feel a little bit like you're in Hebrew school or Sunday school today, because we're really going to wrap around a lot of biblical lessons and biblical accounts that relate to creating the abundance mindset. And I want to start with a quote from Jesus Christ in John 10.10, where he says, I have come that they might have life and more abundantly. So think about that. We actually are designed to have life and to have it more abundantly. So to focus on developing an abundance mindset makes a lot of sense. So number one, to develop more of an abundance mindset, focus on what you have. Focus on what is working and in essence, be thankful for that. And what this reminds me of, it reminds me of an old Christian hymn. This hymn was published in 1897 by Johnson Oatman, and it's called Count Your Blessings. And in fact, a lot of children were taught this song in Sunday school or vacation Bible school. And part of the refrain goes something like this. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. So that's number one. Count your blessings. Now, if in the workplace, I want you to think about how you would apply this lesson. Maybe there's a lot in the workplace that when you look at it, you say, I don't see any blessings. I don't see anything good. However, you may have some work. That's something to be thankful for. You may have some fabulous customers. You have committed employees who are working hard and showing up every day, even if things are not perfect. Maybe you have a full pipeline of work. Maybe you've got an innovative solution that's going to help your clients get to the next level in their operations. Maybe new opportunities are on the horizon. Maybe it's something small. Whatever it is, I want you to magnify what is good by focusing on it and counting it as a blessing. That's number one. Number two, Thank the people around you for their contribution to the abundance that you have. And as I'm thinking about this one, about thanking people around you, I'm reminded of the book of Esther in the Bible. And in the book of Esther, 
you might remember that Esther was a Jewish woman and she became the queen of the Persian Empire. And while she was queen of the Persian Empire, her cousin who had raised her named Mordecai, he actually uncovered a plot where two men had planned to assassinate King Ahasuerus, which was her husband. And so when Mordecai overheard this plot, he got a message to Queen Esther, and Queen Esther got the message to the king. And those two members of the king's courtyard who were planning to assassinate him were therefore killed. So this was something that Mordecai had done. It saved the king's life. And then business went on as usual. And the king kind of forgot about it, didn't think about it. So it's in Esther 2, the second chapter, where we see the story of Mordecai uncovering the plot and saving the king's life. Then you get to the sixth chapter of Esther, where the king is in the bed sleeping at night, and he can't sleep, and he's a little bit restless, and he calls for the books of the kings to be brought to him, the chronicles of events. And as he's listening to those and reading about it, he hears the story of Mordecai saving his life. And he says, oh, whatever happened there? Did we ever do anything to thank that man and to honor that man? And there was nothing in the record to say that they had done anything to thank Mordecai. So the king planned an elaborate celebration to actually have Mordecai riding around in town wearing one of the king's best robes, a crown on his head, and on the king's horse. So that was his way of thanking Mordecai. Now, I want you to think about this in terms of your own business environment. Thank yous can be very simple, could be verbal, just a simple thank you where you're letting the person know in specific terms what you're thanking them for. You can also write a note of thanks, and that would be something tangible that the person can hold on to later. And then, of course, there are more elaborate ways to thank people. The bottom line is to recognize that whatever is going right in your business is not just because of you alone or you by yourself. There are people who are working hard every day to make sure that the business has the successes that you can focus on and be thankful for. So every day, think of how you can thank those people. Now, I'll give you just an example some years ago, especially when I used to assemble very large teams and we would go in to do interventions in large companies and corporations. And those people who worked for me, who were part of the team to deliver those results, when I would send them their pay in the mail, it wouldn't just be a paycheck that came. I actually took the time to write a personal note to each person and let them know how they were adding value to our clients. And people still remember that to this day because that was an unusual way to receive a paycheck. The number three is to believe that you will find a way. That is, no matter what's going on now, and no matter how challenging it may be, the mindset that says, I believe I will find a way is important. And you want to have this mindset to know that you're going to land on your feet, even though you don't necessarily know how you're going to land. And knowing how you're going to land is far less important than really believing that you will. 
So the story that comes to mind for this one to me is the story of Abraham in Genesis. And in this account, Abraham was told by God to sacrifice his one and only son. Because by this time, his other son, Ishmael, had already been sent out into the desert with his mother, Hagar. Now he's got Isaac, the son of promise. It's his only son. And he had this son in his old age. He was 100 years old. And God is saying, take this one son that you have, and I want you to go over to Mount Moriah, and I want you to actually offer him as a sacrifice to me. This man killing his son. This is a tall and a difficult order to be given. However, I want you to pay attention to a couple things. So in Genesis 22, in the fifth chapter, once Abraham and Isaac get to the place where the sacrifice is supposed to take place, Abraham has with him the wood, the fire, and the knife, and Isaac, his son, has been accompanying him. And Isaac, by this time, he's a young man. He's not a child. He's actually a young man, teenager or a little older, perhaps. And they have some servants who are also there with them. So Abraham says to the servants, you wait here. Isaac and I, we're going to go over there and we're going to worship the Lord. And Abraham says, we will come back to you. Now, mind you, Abraham knew he's supposed to be sacrificing Isaac, but he says, we will come back. Now, he didn't know how any of this was going to happen. However, he's believing that a way will be found. So then Isaac says, well, father, I see the wood, I see the fire, I see the knife, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. So then when we finally get later in the story, we find that as Abraham has built the altar, he's put the wood on it, and he's now bound his son on top of the altar. He takes the knife, and he's about to plunge this knife into his son's heart. And the voice of the Lord speaks to him and says, don't harm the boy. Don't kill him. I see now that you're willing to give to me, give up the one treasure that you have, which is your son. And of course, Abraham believes the Lord was able to give him the son in his old age when he's as good as dead, so to speak, as far as having children. Surely he could raise him from the dead if necessary. But in any case, he's being obedient to this command. And Abraham turns and looks, and this is in Genesis 22, 13, and he sees a ram that's caught by his horns in the thicket or in the bushes, or as we often now say today, a ram in the bush. When you find that, as Abraham called God at that time, he gave him the name, the Lord will provide. And there are times when we need that ram in the bush, and we're looking for it, and it is provided. So believe that you will find a way, and a way will be provided. Now, I'll just give two brief examples in my own life. In 2001, when 9-11 took place, most of the work that we do involves flying to client locations, and people just stopped flying. Corporate flying just went to a standstill. A lot of business canceled at that point. Most of the work that we were doing was out of state. So I said, okay, what are we going to do? We are going to create a new line of business, and we did. We created a new line of business that we could do closer to home at that time. 
And then in 2008, when the recession hit, prior to that time, I had been booked regularly, usually about a year in advance for the work that I do. All the major big ticket items are already in place a year in advance. 2008, the beginning of the recession, and I remember very precisely, it was on Veterans Day when all of the big rocks, everything that I had booked for the next year, all canceled on Veterans Day. Now, I believed at that time, we will find a way through this and we will rebuild the business and refill the calendar. That's exactly what happened. So that's number three, believe you'll find a way. Number four is going to be share with others. And when I say share with others, I mean share what you have. Share from your resources. Share from your provision. Because if you have a mindset that I have plenty, then you can also have the mindset that you have plenty to give. Abundance mindset is certainly different from the scarcity mindset that says I need to hoard everything to myself because I don't have enough to share. So the story that comes to mind for this is the story when Jesus was feeding the 5,000, the multitude of 5,000, and one account is recorded in Matthew, the 14th chapter. The people had assembled, it was getting late, and his disciples says, oh, send the people away so that they can get some food, you know, while there's still shopkeepers open, still a possibility. And Jesus said, oh, no, you feed them. They said, we, we can't feed these people. That's more than a year's worth of wages. We don't have enough to feed 5,000 people. And really, it was more than 5,000 people. It was 5,000 men plus women and children. So Jesus said, okay, what, what's out there? Who has something? And it turned out there was a little boy who had two fish and five loaves of bread. These are small loaves. Probably his mother had packed that for his lunch. So this little boy had two small fish five loaves of bread. So Jesus took that, took what the boy had, he blessed it, and then he fed the 5,000 men plus the women and children, and they had 12 baskets of leftovers after everyone ate as much as they wanted to eat. That's an abundance mindset. And when you have that abundance mindset, you are willing to share because this little boy shared his two fish, five loaves, and they were multiplied and the multitude was fed. In your business, what is it that you can begin to share? We've talked a lot, even already this month, about companies that are doing great things in their communities and sharing of their abundance that way. Where can you start? What small way can you begin to share with others knowing that whatever you give out there will come back to you multiplied? The number five is to look for opportunity in whatever happens, no matter what it is. You lose your job, if, say, if you're an individual employee out there. Look for the opportunity in whatever happens and embrace change that comes with the opportunity. So let's say in your company, you lose a major business account. You can say to yourself, oh, this is making room for something new. We will have an opportunity to create a new service or to build a new service. We will have an opportunity to find a new client or attract a new client 
or do something over here we've never done before because we didn't have time. Now we have time to do it. The opportunity may also be your learning. So what did you learn that you can then take forward? What can I now learn and pursue to move forward? So you want to concentrate on growth, concentrate on success. What's the opportunity in what might look like a negative? I'm sure that most of you out there have heard of the saying, seeing the glass as half full or seeing the glass as half empty. This is the essence of our message today. And that is the glass is on the table. The glass is the same. What changes and shifts is how we see the glass. And that shift is within your control. You can choose to see the glass as half empty or half full. You can choose to have a scarcity or poverty mindset, or you can choose to have an abundance or wealth mindset. I'm going to invite you to actually choose life for yourself. Choose the abundance mindset. The choice is yours. And I'm praying that you will have a blessed and abundant day. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.